touchdown. Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 3 1 5. Hardy faking, face the great Sabres. He scores! He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. What's up, everybody? Welcome in here on this Tuesday in the Cuse. Working our way into it. Basketball tomorrow. Basketball on Saturday. NFL playoffs coming this weekend. The expanded, super, extra, magnificently large wildcard weekend. Did I get the branding right, NFL? It's hard to keep up with this stuff, but we will talk some New York football giants today with Jordan Renan, ESPN Giants reporter. We'll do that at 230 so looking forward to that. Giants uh, Vikings. Interesting in that they played less than a month ago in Minnesota where the game will be played again this time. Uh, the Giants should have could have won that game. They didn't. And if they had, it would have changed nothing. The Giants still would be the sixth seed. The Vikings still would be the three seed. And they'd still be playing again in Minnesota. So there is that. Talk to Jordan coming up at 2.30. 3.30 today. Mike Burnup. Virginia Tech color analyst for both football and basketball. I suppose we'll talk to him about the hoops today. And they'll be uh, traveling up this way for the game uh, tomorrow night at the Dome. 7 o'clock tip. Standard coverage here tomorrow. Pre-game with X at 6. Devo and I will have post-game right here back on the radio on this uh, Wednesday night. Tomorrow night coming up after the game at 9-ish. So looking forward to all of that this week. We'll get a little basketball talk uh, in for you. And... As we do before essentially every home game the rest of the way. I got two tickets. They're burning a hole in my pocket. I should probably take them out. But two tickets to the game tomorrow night. You want to go to the game. You want free stuff. We know this. This is known. Studies have been done. Experts have been consulted. We know that you want free tickets. We have free tickets, and we want you to have them. Uh, so coming up at the end of this hour, 245, 250 or so, uh, we will figure out a way via trivia to get the tickets from me to you. So be ready for that coming up at the end of uh, this hour. Axe has a couple of tickets later today as uh, well. So tickets to give away. We'll have tickets later this week for the Notre Dame game on Saturday. I've not decided. When do you want tickets to that game? Thursday or Friday? I got two for that game too. We're going to give them away later this week on uh, either Thursday or Friday. We'll figure that out uh, some other time. But uh, tickets are plenty to give away this week. But let's start today with the uh, national title game last night and uh, conversation over. That was a snoozer, huh? Unfortunately, you know, we talked about it yesterday and, okay, what can happen in the game and TCU and Georgia and, you know, what do you like? Spreads about two touchdowns. How do you feel about that? Well, obviously, 65-7. to seven, uh, Georgia handled everything involved in the betting yesterday, involved in the game, involved in the final score, involved in the celebration. The only thing I wanted yesterday was uh, an interesting game, and we got not that to the point at halftime where the only thing literally left to root for is like there was no way TCU was coming back at halftime. No way. Not a chance in hell. The only thing I was rooting for at halftime is, all right, well, if we're not going to get a close game, let's get as far to the opposite as humanly possible. Let's see if Georgia can just 
completely put up historic numbers. They came very close to doing it. I mean, it's one of the most lopsided title games of all time. Um, I was half rooting for him to get to 70, not for the sake of TCU. It's not a nice thing to root for, but at least, at least if you're going to watch it to the grim and bitter end for no reason, as I did last night, at, at, least, uh, at least give me something, Georgia. It would have been aggressively running up the score to uh, score the last drive. If, if they had taken... Where did they start taking the knees? I think they were at about the 40 with two minutes left. Like they only needed one more play to score. Like TCU was done. Like anybody on their team was going to score a 40-yard touchdown in the next play, probably. So, probably uh, the sportsman-like thing not to do that. But uh, that that is as far off the rails as the game was last night. That I was able to, you know, root for that. And as we told you yesterday when we, we recapped our picking weekend, we have had a miracle... Here in central New York, the Saco six-pack, back over 500. And I did not have to have time to, to dig this far in the archives today because I don't know how far deep we would have had to go. But the Saco six-pack has had a winning week, folks. Mario was four and two. And with that, he is invited back on Friday uh, to do it again. See if we can't get a little streak going here. A little streak going. But a big win for Mario. I dare say Georgia covered last night. Georgia's a great team. You know, they lost just the one game last year in the SEC title game. They go undefeated this year. They, they've been the best team in the sport, clearly. Uh, no duh, for the last two years. But it's not been close. It was funny to watch uh, Nick Saban on set. It's a shame Nick Saban is that good of a football coach because if he ever got fired, he'd be a great TV guy. <laughs> he's not going to get fired, but he's very good at that too. He's very good at everything. Darn him. Cuts a solid figure in a suit too on national television, but it was kind of funny to see him up there next to, you know, Georgia's David Pollock with Pollock talking about how Georgia's taken over the college football world and look on Saban's face is just, oh yeah? Huh. So we'll see. We'll see if Bama can get back in the mix next year. Not that they're every far, far off. But uh, congrats to Georgia. They were far and away the best team on the field last night. And then you read a lot today. And people have been kind of doing this all year ever since it was announced. And again, it's not next year. It's not It's not until the year after that we're going to a 12-team playoff. So we have one more year of four. So next year the same deal could happen. That In a 12-teamer, that maybe it would have ended up in a different scenario. This is nothing against TCU. That uh, you know, maybe they have it would have cycled out differently. Maybe they're on the same side of the bracket. Maybe they play Georgia in the semis, and who knows what happens? Alabama or Ohio State or Michigan or whatever makes the title game, and we end up not with a, a blowout in uh, the title game. People hoping and thinking that the twelve-team playoff will potentially avoid us uh, title game blowouts. Now, the way Georgia played last night. I don't really care who would have been the other team in the game. The other team in the game last night was going to get crushed. Just crushed. The way Georgia played last night. they That's what they are. They're head and shoulders above uh, right now. You know, the second those games end, we move on to, all right, what's everyone's top 10 for next year? What do you got? Top 25, preseason top 25, favorites to win the title. I mean, you can go bet right now on Georgia to win the title next year, and they're the the team with the shortest odds to do so. Uh, even with losing who knows how many players to the upper echelon of the draft again uh, this year, and their starting quarterback, Stetson Bennett, exits with uh, a fantastic game, six more touchdowns accounted for, and two national championships as a starting quarterback. 
in in college football. So we'll see where it all goes for for Georgia. But they are set up right now, as Alabama had been for the last decade, to be the program right now that the names change. As long as the name Kirby Smart doesn't change, looks like Georgia is going to be set up a long term there to be in the mix for the national championship every year going forward for a long time. Feels like this is going to be a, you know, a long time is not 50 years in college football or 20 years, but it, this feels like there's there's no reason Kirby can't keep this humming for another 10 years. Famous last words in football because you do it for two and a half years in football. You've done it for a very long time, but Georgia is, is a set up to go for a really, really, really long time here on this run, it would seem. It was interesting to see the list that Stetson Bennett is on of, you know, recent quarterbacks that have won multiple national championships. It's a very weird list. It's now Stetson Bennett, Bama, you know, they've spread out their titles here. The only quarterback they had that won two was A.J. McCarron. You look at USC, Matt Leinert won a couple. He won a Heisman and kind of flamed out in the NFL. And then Frazier, Tommy Frazier at Nebraska had a hand in two and a half, you know, two, and then a shared one. I mean, he was ridiculous in in college. You look at the list, and not one of them went on to an NFL career that was outstanding. And even though one was a Heisman Trophy winner. So it's kind of weird. It, It shows you the demarcation line between college and pro at the quarterback position. But what I can tell you of all of those teams, Nebraska in the 90s, USC in the uh, mid-2000s, obviously the Alabama run in Georgia right now, uh, even if their quarterbacks did not go on to great NFL success, the entire rest of their rosters went on to great NFL success. The entire rest of their rosters. Like Georgia was like the first round last year. Their whole defense got drafted. It's going to happen again. And their running backs. And their, you know, Brock Bowers can't go into the draft yet. They're tight end. But my goodness. Unstoppable last night. Which brings us to, you know, especially with a game like last night, which you're not hanging on to every second because it got decided real quick. But, like, the second those games end, you get flooded with the articles. Preseason top 25, early look ahead to next year, this, that, and the other thing. And while that's kind of a waste of time, it's also great because who doesn't click on it and read it, whether they want to or not? So it's brilliant while dumb at the same time. means nothing, but it's great. Clicks, revenue, all that. So I'm clicking away. Stuart Mandel, who uh, writes uh, excellently on college football for The Athletic, formerly of Sports Illustrated. You know, and everybody has Georgia their preseason number one. Most of them have Bama at two or three or Ohio State at two or three. So this is how it ties back to Syracuse. Stuart Mandel, three, Ohio State, four, LSU, preseason for next year. ESPN's, which was written by Mark Schlebaugh, and I'm sure ESPN, uh, due to their volume of reporters, will have many of these. Ohio State, two, LSU, eight. And why am I telling you about Ohio State and LSU? Uh, Neither of them played in the game last night. Well, So Syracuse will have starters on this year's team playing for very highly ranked preseason teams next year. Playing for and presumably starting for? I presume or else why else would they have gone there? Right? So we mentioned it last week. Jihad Carter officially is now 
He was into the portal. He's out of the portal. He's now at Ohio State. Deuce Chestnut, we'd heard neither hide nor hair of it since he went into the portal. We, we haven't heard from either of them yet, save for the... We, we never even heard from Jihad that he went into the portal, save for you can... You know, people can look these things up. But the only thing we've heard from these guys since is, you know, and this is standard fare these days when you commit to somewhere else, the graphics come out and you're in their jersey and there's a Instagram post and the whole thing. You know, presumably there's NIL involved in both cases, but you don't hear that stuff, you don't know. And we haven't heard either of them actually uh, talk about it yet. But Jihad Carter to a preseason highly ranked team, you know, in the actual polls come next fall. And I, I don't know who Ohio State, how Ohio State's quarterback's going to be. It doesn't matter. Like, Ohio State will be preseason top five at worst. They'll likely be preseason top three due to talent. Like, you look at talent in the country, it is indisputably Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State right now as the top three teams in terms of, you know, stars matter talent. And LSU, they're accumulating talent under Brian Kelly. They had a, as much of a surprise season as one can have at LSU this year. It shouldn't be a surprise when they're good. This year it was a bit of a surprise due to coaching change and all of that, but they made it to the SEC title game. If you make it to the SEC title game, that means the next step to winning a national championship is a much smaller step than anybody else that did not win the national championship this year. And now next year, players that featured heavily on Syracuse's roster for the last two years in Deuce's case and the last three years in Jihad's case are now going to be prominently featured in the race to win next year's national championship. Two orange players from this year's team that went 7-6 and six will both have legitimate chances to play for and win a national championship next year. Which again is wild. We talked about it about Jihad last week. Now, we've watched these guys play basically every snap of their career. I think they're both excellent players. And I'd say certainly in Deuce's case and maybe in Jihad's case, I thought, okay, we're probably, you know, we're watching somebody that, if not drafted, they'll get a chance in the National Football League. Like, they're, they're guys that will get a shot. And then add in, you know, Recent players, like if you're watching uh, the Saturday night NFL game uh, this past week with Jacksonville and Tennessee for the AFC South Championship, uh, you saw a lot of Andre Sisco out there wearing his number five, out there making big plays. He got called for one kind of uh, the one he was really on the screen was a, a ticky tack penalty against him, but he, it felt like he had an excellent game. Guys that have been in and out and hurt this year, like Ify Melifanu has uh, been hurt this year for Detroit, so you didn't see him out there. Uh, on Sunday night in that playoff game, Trill Williams unfortunately got hurt in the camp uh, for the Dolphins. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'd probably see him on the field in Buffalo uh, this weekend. Sean Tucker is going to be drafted this year. Michael Jones is going to be drafted this year. Which brings us to the point of Syracuse football of what does this lead us to conclude? I have no idea. What do we conclude about this? Syracuse is recruiting. The general thought of Syracuse's recruiting, when you look at rankings, is meh. Every year under Dino Babers and in the ACC, the Orange recruiting ranking is back into the league. There's 14 teams. The Orange are in the bottom third every year, rankings-wise. Basically all three-star guys for the most part. There's three stars and there's three stars. 
the three-star range is the widest range of recruiting. You know, the five stars, there's some of them. Four stars, there's a little bit more. Three stars, at least at major conference college football, are almost all of the players. So the orange roster is that. But, okay, there's these three-star guys, and now there's this pile of guys that are sought after by teams that are legitimately attempting to win the national championship or by the National Football League. Well, how did we get from here to there? Well, either the recruiting was better than the rankings-wise, or the development once they got to school is better than the recruiting rankings indicated it should have been, which both says good things about the football staff, that you are, A, either able to pick out the right three stars out of the sizable pile of that, or B, are able to develop them better than other teams. Both of those are good. Which then leads you to the thought, well, if you did all that, why didn't you win more games? So it's a, it's a mind pretzel. Like, how was Syracuse, which started 6-0, and then you know, the tires fell off this year and ended up 7-6, and or last year 5-7, and or I get it, there was a lot of screwy circumstances around the COVID year, but that was a one-win football season. How do those orange football teams with this level of talent that has intrigued both the NFL and you know Ohio State and LSU are short list of teams that are like, yeah, we are trying to win the national championship every year. And they're two of the teams that can say it, mean it, and actually execute it. What does it mean that two of them want and have taken Syracuse football players in the transfer portal. The whole thing is very, very interesting. That the Orange have these players that are sought after by high, high-level schools of football and then yet had them when they were good and didn't win more games. But also figured out who they were and developed them. Which other schools didn't do. It is it's a it's a scale that is very hard to mentally balance right now. It's it's good and bad all at the same time. But you know, that's what happens during a national title game, which is sixty five to seven. Uh that's what you start thinking about. That's when you start thinking about things like that. The other uh, transfer news today is kind of a, a like for like. Steve Linton was one of the first to go in the portal this year, ended up at Texas Tech, so that is um I, I'd say about floating to the same level. You went from a Power 5 school that's not in that national championship mix to a different one that's also not in that championship mix. And now you're in Lubbock, Texas. Well, that's neither here nor there. Let's take a break now. You know, we're talking about the idea of, uh, you know, postseason college football. It's going to expand in a few years. Well, Jim Beheim would like to see that as well for the basketball tournament, huh? We'll see what he had to say about that uh, yesterday when we come back here. Our guest today, Jordan Renan, talking Giants at 2.30. Mike Burnup, the color analyst for the Virginia Tech Hokies, will join us to preview tomorrow night's game. That is at 3.30 today. And we got tickets to give away. Stick around for the end of this, hour number one. Much more to come after this here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across Central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. All right, rolling along on this Tuesday. We'll switch gears to the National Football League in a little less than 10 minutes. Jordan Renan, ESPN Giants reporter, joining us at 2.30 or so. But right now, have a little bit from the uh, Hall of Famer from the ACC conference call yesterday. 
It's time to spin the wheel. Let's spin the wheel of Bayheim. All right, so we talk about the idea that the college football playoffs expanding to 12. That potentially could bring in a team, maybe, that could actually win the national championship. I don't think uh, in more years or not you're going to get a champion outside the top four. Uh, well, I, I guess in the way they're seeding it, the, the second best teams in leagues can't be in the top four because the top four is only conference champions. So going forward, you know, if you're the second, third best team, and this year that would be Ohio State in the Big Ten or Alabama or LSU or Tennessee in the SEC, could a team like that win the national championship? Yeah, quite possibly. So uh, that will bring them into the mix in college football. Uh, the talk to expand the NCAA basketball tournament would be go from 68 to 96. Is that going to bring in a team that could win the national championship. My initial thought on that uh, would be no, but here's uh, Jim Beheim's thoughts uh, from yesterday on tournament expansion. This argument of too many teams is so false that it's hard to even comment on it because you're commenting about stupid people making stupid comments. We started this thing with 12 turn teams, right? Mm -hmm. 16, 24, 32, 48, right? Nobody complained about it. We've almost doubled in size in terms of teams with 350 versus whatever it was back then 175 or 200 people say so many stupid things it dilutes the tournament that's the bad teams will be out the teams that get in they're bad they'll be out right away uh, actually it gets more good teams in the tournament because you have the qualifiers some wouldn't get in if they weren't automatic i'd say my my thought on that to, to counter it is in all those other additions to the tournament, you added spots of teams that I think a actually at least some of them have a chance to win the national championship on any uh, given year. You know, we've seen, we, we saw the Orange as a 10 seed make the final four. We've seen eight seeds make uh, the final four. It's not uh, usual, but it's happening more and more. If you're going to add more teams and get to 96, are we going to see the equivalent of, you know, a 14 seed that's ACC team number 10? Like, are they good enough to win the national championship? Now, is that the only reason to expand the tournament? No. But I think the difference between the idea of football and basketball with tournament expansion, with football, you are adding spots of teams that potentially could win the national championship. Like, teams that would be in this year, that not less. Like, USC. Like, were they going to win the title this year? I mean, their defense was crap. But, you know, assume they improved that. They had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Alabama. Well, they're clearly capable of winning the title any year, and they're not in the tournament. So you're adding teams that actually could win the national championship. We saw that in the first year of the college football playoff going to two, from 2-4 two to four when Ohio State, the four seed, won the championship. They would not have been in the game had it happened the year before. College basketball, you're going to 96. Now it's going to add games and revenue, it, whatever. Do it if you want or not. I don't think you're adding any games that are going to actually uh, affect who is the best team in college basketball or who could win uh, the national championship. It does get you closer to uh, the NCAA's stated goal of you want to have around 25% of uh, your participant schools, or certainly they say no more than 25% of your participant schools involved in uh, the playoffs. It's kind of the opposite argument we talk about in lacrosse. There are teams left out every year that you're like, well, they, they could make a run in the tournament because basically half the lacrosse tournament is made up of AQs. Uh, it's a little different in basketball because the volume is higher, but will be interesting to see where that goes. Would it certainly add more revenue to the pot? And the next time more revenue to the pot is turned down would be the first time. Speaking of revenue in the pot, the NFL's got plenty of that. It's super wild card weekend. More games than ever. They're super. Talk to ESPN's Jordan Renan, Giants reporter there about the Giants and their upcoming visit to 
Minnesota this weekend, the 430 game on Sunday on Fox. We'll do that when we come back. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Uh, indeed, here I am. We're working our way through this uh, Tuesday. Mike Burnup joining us uh, 10 minutes or so from now. The award-winning color analyst for the Virginia Tech radio broadcast. He will be joining us coming up at 3.30. Always good to uh, chat with Mike. But right now we have Matt in here, which means we're going to do this. Here's the 411. Hello, and welcome to Movie Phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press 1. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. In the 315. And so you're going to be doing that all week, right? Now, yeah. It's time for the 411 in the 315. Well, what's going on is Matt is here. Uh, for those not watching on QSportsTalk.com, and shame on you, go, click, now, now, now. Uh, you, you're missing out on Matt sporting the you know early 90s like OG Islanders starter jacket replete with lots of teal. So looking sharp today, Matt. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, what do we got? All right, we'll start with a, a month-long saga is coming to an end. Oh. Carlos Correa has signed, uh, signed? a contract pending medical. Oh, okay. With the Minnesota Twins, okay. six-year deal worth two hundred million dollars. All right, um, I think you can get up to like two. There's a there's a vested option, so an additional four years and seventy million after that, if Correa passes a medical review, which is currently taking place. So they're gonna they, it would turn into ten years two seventy. That's what it sounds like. Now the Twins, since he was on the Twins this year, yes, like they have to know the answers to the questions already, right? But I guess now the focus is on his leg, which is like just magically popped up. Yeah. Like ligaments? Does he have ligament issues? No, he just like broke his ankle or something. I don't, I don't think he I just know. did anything. I, I no, think this in stuff... 2014 he broke his lo- he broke he broke his lower right leg. Yeah, and I guess and was hush hush about it or so, something. So no, I think people knew, but the issue is they're worried that there's something called like oh, what is it called? It's an ailment where basically like your where the the fix so like the plate. Uh, corrodes basically. It okay. Holes in it. Like, it's called like termite knee. Termite you have knee. It in your leg. Oh, duh. So the metal is like chewed away. You know what? Termite and knee. And then you have to replace the rod, which would cause injury and the whole thing and maybe oh. range of movement loss. So uh-huh. that's why you're concerned for the next 12 years as opposed to the, the first six, so to speak. But he hasn't missed any time due to this injury in his MLB career other than breaking it. Uh huh. Um, and he was fine in Minnesota. The only kind of cause for scare there was when he slid into the base and it like jolted his his metal you know fixture uh-huh it sent like vibrations in his leg he Ooh. got kind of sh- he got kind of shook from it did he hit like a tone was it playing was it playing like a song in there did it it was like uh, what are those things called like, like little, did he have like, a tuning prongs? rod did he, yeah, hit, like, did he hit like a did he hit was it like, like sharp was it like too sharp he was trying to hit a c and he hit a b flat and i was like i gotta see the doctor this is the whole thing's weird because he really hasn't missed significant time during his major league career just the back. No. Like, he, I mean, he's missed some. He's not Cal Ripken, yeah. but like the dude's been fine. Now, I get it. You don't want to sign a guy to 12 years when his leg might fall off or has arthritis or termite knee or whatever we're, whatever we're calling it. Um, but 
Like, I, I don't, is it really that? Di- like, Aaron Judge is signed till he's 97 years old now. I, I don't know if there's a big deal. Like, either you like Carlos Correa or you don't, and the money 10 years from now is going to be whatever it is. But uh, Correa's going to get a lot of money. It's going to probably be slightly less than the money than he would have gotten from the Giants and the Mets uh, originally, but he's going to end up staying in Minnesota. The whole thing's been very weird. All right. Yeah. Uh, the Bears, uh, their GM, Ryan Poles, was asked mm-hmm. about the uh, quarterback and, you know, should he take a quarterback? Should he... You know, number one overall, should he stick with Fields? Uh, when he was asked about Justin Fields, he said, quote, uh, I would have to be absolutely blown away to take a quarterback uh, with the number one pick in this year's draft. All right, so the question is, is now, as the owner of the number one pick, like, you better go work out Bryce yeah. Young. I mean, if you're going to get blown away, or C.J. Stroud or whatever, Bryce Young seems to be clearly the guy people are talking about as number one. you got to go kick the tires on it just to, you have to know for yourself, all right, do we like rookie Bryce Young better and you get five years of that on a rookie deal, or do you want third-year Justin Fields, who had the second-most rushing yards ever this year for a quarterback? The Bears, what's the stat I saw today? They they had the fewest amount of passes or passing percentage or whatever it was this year uh, since uh, the Bush administration. Wow. Uh, I think it was at least the second Bush, but it's been a minute. So is that like when before the forward pass was even allowed? Yeah, so the, they were not throwing the ball forward a lot. Um, They, they didn't pass the ball, and you'd... Don't win a lot of games, so you don't pass the ball, which is why they have the first pick in the draft. So I think we kind of like Fields' thing, though he did get hurt a ton late in the year. It's an interesting balance. On the other side, okay, Fields got hurt a lot. He's also a big dude. Bryce Young is small. You have to trade one or the other, though. Yeah. Like they, I mean, they, If they have both Fields and Bryce Young in their roster next year, that just fire the GM now and get it get it over. Trade one and get something. I'm sure you can get a lot from the Colts, but uh, Mike Tannenbaum, former Jet GM, former Dolphins GM, was on some show on the network and basically was like, yeah, I would trade Justin Fields for a first and a third. Okay. And I would invest in a rookie quarterback, reset the, the uh, salary. Because that's a reasonable thought. Right. He also thinks Bryce Young is better than Justin Fields. That's also a reasonable thought. So now you can get... Two impact players in that draft with the first that you're getting in the third. Although I would look for a second if I'm Chicago after trading for Claypool in that mix as well. You lost your second round pick. And then you're going to have a bunch of money this offseason. You don't have to worry about an extension for Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. Go revamp the offensive line, all that. Now, as a Jets fan, I hope that's the route they go because I think the Jets you have a trade nice for Justin uh, Fields? Oh, I would love Justin Fields. Okay. Oh, man. It would be fantastic. They should have done it two years ago. Well, I thought when the Giants, I mean, it was the Giants' original pick that the Bears took Justin Fields with two years ago. When that, that was on the clock then, I said the Giants either need to trade down or take Justin Fields, and anything else would be GM malpractice, of which uh, there was much at that time. And, you know, at the time, Gettleman did the right thing and traded back, and then he, a couple hours later, did the wrong thing and took Kadarius Tony. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But the, the Fields thing is interesting. Like, if you if you are the Bears, do you think he can be... That guy, a franchise quarterback, and if you're if you rate Bryce Young higher, because I think you got to trade one or the other. Now you probably would get, and it depends what you'd get more for. You get more for Bryce Young, right? I, I think you'd get more that for the number pick. one pick. But he, again, because we we've seen picks go like you know when Carson Wentz and Jared Goff went, you were getting like three. You ones. were getting a lot. Here's honestly, if you decide you're keeping Fields, what I do is this: the Texans are so terrible and bad at everything. I I I would create a, a whole storm that you're trading it to somebody that's not them force them to trade up, and then get the real haul for number two. I'd do it twice. I'd fleece the Texans and then find somebody else stupid and fleece them too. Oh, they'd be electric. Yeah. That'd be so good. The problem is I think Bryce Young might be better than Fields, but he's tiny, and tiny quarterbacks don't often work. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, though. It'll be fun. I, I hope they trade Fields so the Jets can get him. Uh, last story, Steph Curry will be back after missing the 11 games of the left shoulder 
subluxation. Do I know what that is? No. But we'll be playing tonight against the Suns, so that's pretty exciting. I love Steph Curry. Did you know that his father, Dell, played for Virginia Tech? That's been no, disgusting. did you know he was also the leading scorer when he retired of the Charlotte Hornets? The Hornets. The Bobcats. Yeah, not the Bobcat. He was not a Bobcat. He was a Hornet. He's a Hornet. Uh, that is all true. If you've been listening to the network all day, you get that joke. And you should be listening all day. And if you haven't been listening all day, you've just heard a factual statement, which is true. Because who did Del Curry play for? The Virginia Tech Hokies. Who are the Orange playing next? The Virginia Tech Hokies. Mike Burnup, the color analyst for who? The radio broadcast of the Virginia Tech Hokies. Joins us when we come back at SkewSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.